John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Think about this being um, Martin Luther King weekend, Observation Week, and, and I want to try to come alongside that and share with you a little bit of my heart, but at the same time try to encourage you. Uh, so if you will, take out your worship folder, and on the back there's a, there's a place for you to put some notes uh, there and follow along with me as we uh, progress through this message this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you on the message entitled, Simply, I Have a Dream. And uh, as I said earlier, I think, I think it's important that every single one of us have a God-ordained dream, ordained visions and goals from, from God for our life. And so we get up every morning not just to go to work and make more money. We get up every morning not just to go to work and, and try, try to see what we can do socially, but we get up every morning with a God-ordained vision and plan and goal to try to carry out God's will on earth and be a vessel of honor where we give our lives to Him to be used of Him. And I think we all need to have a dream. I think it's important that all of us get on our face before God. We get on our knees. We get into our prayer time, into our devotion time, and we discover what God's plan is for us. In Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I've not forsaken you. And he said, I know the plans that I have for you, plans of good report and plans to prosper you. So the point is, God has a plan for every single one of us. God knows us by name. He's got the very hair on our head numbered. Now, for some, that's easy, okay? Uh, but he knows every number of hair that you have. He knows every sparrow that falls. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is in control, okay? So we've got to understand that. And although while he's still in control, he still has a plan for you. My question to you is, what is your dream? What are you living for? And guys, if it's just prosperity on earth, that is so futile, that is so vain, that is so empty. I promise you, you'll come to a day in life where you have all the possessions you could ever want and still be empty. It takes something more than that. And I hope and pray that we all have a dream. We all have a vision. We all have a direction in our life that we are living out that we know this is the direction that God has called for us. Turn in your Bibles also to another passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. Whenever you start thinking about the dream that you may have from God, I want to try to encourage you a little bit here. How do you carry out that dream? I mean, some, sometimes it's huge. It is, it is so large. It, it's so big. And many times we look at that and we think, God, there's no way I could accomplish that. There's no way, Lord, I could do that. And sometimes we settle for second best, instead of diving in there and trusting God to carry out this dream or this direction or this vision or these goals that we feel that He has laid on our, our heart. In, Re, in, in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17, a very familiar verse, it says, So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. Guys, I want you to understand something. 
that all that God wants to do in your life, He will do on the basis of your faith. Understand that. All that God wants to do in your life, He's going to do on the basis of your faith. Someone has once said that faith is to the Christian life what a mainspring is to a watch. In other words, it is indispensable. We must have faith. Now let me say this, everyone has faith. Everyone is exercising faith this morning. You all are exercising faith right now that that chair that you're sitting in is going to hold you up. Hello? Everybody has faith. The atheist has faith. The other morning, I was up early and saw the sun. It was a beautiful sunrise that morning. White snow all over the ground, and the sky was just in magnificent in color with all the different colors that God, God was in a very artistic mood a couple of mornings this week with a beautiful skyline. The clouds were clear, white snow all over the ground, and a beautiful sunrise taking place. I was reminded of Psalm 19, where it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth showeth forth His handiwork. Amen? And then I was reminded of Psalm 14 in verse 1, where the Bible says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. That'd be a good spot for an amen. There is a God. The earth, the heavens declare His glory. But the point I'm trying to make now is that everybody has faith, and even the atheists that are out there today have faith. The only difference is, is who we are putting our faith in and how much faith we have. I want to encourage you today, don't put your faith in me. Uh, Please, don't put me on a pedestal. Don't put any of our leadership on a pedestal. Every single one of us are men. Every single one of us have flaws. None of us are perfect. No matter how we may try to portray that we're perfect, none of us are perfect. Hello? Nobody in this church is perfect. We all have flaws. Every one of us has warts. Hello? Some cover them up better than others. But we all have warts. The point I'm trying to make is that none of us are perfect. Don't put your faith in one man. Don't put your faith in one family in this church. Don't put your faith... Put your faith in God. Amen? Faith come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if we're going to have strong faith to be able to carry out our dream that God has laid on our heart, then our faith must be anchored in God Almighty. It must be anchored in Him. And then we need to increase in our faith. How do we increase in our faith? I hope and pray that you have more faith today than you had yesterday. I know I look at my life today and after 20 some odd years of walking with the Lord and pastoring and being involved in ministry, I have a lot more faith today than I had when I first started out. I hope and pray that we are all growing in our faith. Hello? How do we grow in our faith? How in the world do we get more faith? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the... Word of God. Guys, you want more faith? Get into the Word of God. I mean, if you stay in this book day in and day out for the rest of your life, I promise you there's no way you can go but up in your faith. You will increase in faith when you stay in the Word of God and you anchor your faith in Him. What is your dream? What do you see? What gets you out of bed every morning? 
What are you doing to carry out God's will on earth? Is your dream or your values or your goals, are they all self-centered? Are they all about magnifying self or pleasing self? Oh, that's so short-sighted. Hello? That's so short-sighted. It's so so short-lived. It's so empty. It's so vain. What's your dream? What is God calling you to do? And he's working. One thing I'm amazed is the Bible says in Psalms that our God never sleeps and he never slumbers. God is always working. In our hearts, in our loves, he is always revealing himself to us. What's he revealed to you lately? What has he shown you lately? What is his plan for you? Do you know what it is? Well, first of all, if you don't know what it is, you need to get on your face before God discover it. Because, listen, you don't have to kindly blindly walk through life. God will reveal his plan to you. He will lay it on your heart. He will burden you. It takes obedience and it takes faith to, call, to follow through with God's ordained plan for all of our lives. I believe everybody needs a dream. And I believe this. If you don't have a dream, I don't know if you're really living You're just existing. You're just going through the motions. I don't want you to do that. I want you to discover what God's plan and God's will is for your life. You see, I believe this. I believe our dreams determine our life, and then the dream will define our life. I mean, it will define who we are as we are striving every day to live out this God-ordained plan and this dream in our life. Guys, you realize it's natural to dream? You realize that? It's natural. I mean, you think about children today and you think about kids today and you'll see that kids have a tremendous capability of dreaming and their imagination is so far out there. I mean, you think about when you were a child. Think about the children that you even have. Whenever kids are small, I'm amazed at their creativity, their imagination, and their big dreams that they lay out there. Question for you. Why is it that whenever we become adults, we lose the dreams? Why is it that whenever we become adults, we lose the vision? The older we get, the more I believe that we lose the capacity to dream. Children dream. It's natural to dream. What is it that causes us to give up on our goals? What is it that causes us To give up on things that stretch our faith. What is it that causes us to give up on a God-ordained dream? Boy, if you need some inspiration, just study the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. That's a man who went against all odds to carry out a God-given dream. He didn't stop because there were some obstacles. He didn't stop because there were some dream busters. And guys, do you realize that there are dream busters all around you? And there are people that it seems like their life mission in your life is to burst all of your bubbles, all of your dreams. It seems like their mission in life is always to keep you on the ground. Hello? Do you realize we even find people like that in the Bible? Very quickly, and I'm going to hit these quick, I promise you. I want you to... You've got the verse. Take out your notes, if you will. Let me share with you some dream busters that are out there. Number one, your family is a potential dream buster. 
Your family is a potential dream buster. You remember the story of Joseph back in Genesis chapter 37? You remember Joseph had a dream? I mean, he, he's the 10th of 12 brothers, and, and he has a dream. And, I mean, he, and he goes to his brother and says, hey, guys, let me share with you my dream. Not sure it's a wise thing for him to have done that. But he goes to his brothers and said, hey, I want to share with you a dream that I had. And he tells his brothers, one day you all are going to bow down before me. And one day I am going to rule over you. Well, nobody wants to hear a dream like that, do they? So immediately we see the dream buster in Joseph's family and his brothers started ridiculing him. And they said, Joseph, who do you think you are? You're just one of the younger brothers. You're just one of the younger siblings. What kind of a dream was that? Question, was it a God-ordained dream? I'm waiting on a response. I like responsive preaching. I like interaction here. Don't come here and just sit like a bullfrog in a hailstorm. Stay with me, okay? Let's engage. Let's interact. It's okay. I want you to be comfortable. Joseph, his dream, was it a God-ordained dream? Sure it was. Did it come from God? Yes, it did. And when he shared it with his brothers, his brothers rejected it, and they became the dream buster in his life. Now, just let me say this. Sometimes when you have a dream, sometimes when you have a dream, the best thing you can do is keep your mouth shut. Sometimes when you have a dream, and you really feel this is of God, and this is the direction God is wanting me to go... A lot of times, because we love our family so much, we immediately run to our family, we share with them what God is doing in our life, and usually they'll say, did you eat some bad chili last night? You know? Where in the world did this come from? You see, we call those dream busters. And they're out there, and they're involved even in our families. They're the individuals that deflate your dream. Matter of fact, Jesus had the same problem. I'm amazed at this. Over in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, you can read it later. But in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1 through 6, he's involved in ministry and he's already started his public ministry and he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. And as he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth, he does a few little miracles along the side of him. But not very many. And we pick up the reading in Mark, chapter 6, verse 2. It says, When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is the wisdom given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Listen to what they said about Jesus back in his hometown. They said, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Judas and Simon? And and aren't his sisters here with us? And the Bible says, so they were offended by him. Jesus now is back in his hometown where his family is and he's sharing with them the dream, the vision, the plan that God has given him to carry out in life. That he now is the Son of God. Of course, he always was even when he was born. But he's revealing to them that he is the Son of God. And they're thinking, Joe? Isn't that Joe's boy? Joe, isn't that your boy? Man, he's been gone and kind of left town and... Now he's come back in this public ministry and he's saying that he's God? And the Bible says that they rejected him. The Bible goes on to say that he cannot do many miracles there because of their unbelief in who he was, that he was the Son of God. You see, we need to ask ourselves, whose unbelief has deflated your faith? 
Whose unbelief in you has deflated your dreams? And guys, I want to encourage you today. Dream big. Listen, it's just as easy to shoot for the eagles as it is the skunks. I mean, set your dreams high and go for them. And say, God, here am I. Use me. I don't want to just sit here in a church till I die. God, I want to be used by you. And God has a plan for every single one of us. And Jesus, his family, those around him, friends, his hometown, were a dream buster for him. Listen to what Jesus said in chapter 6, verse 4 of Mark's gospel. Then Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, among his relatives and in his household. So he was not able to do many miracles there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. So sometimes family can be dream busters. Number two, jot this one down. Sometimes your friends are potential dream busters. Sometimes your friends are potential dream busters. You look in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, and verse number 36, and here's the story of a man named Jairus. Jairus had a daughter who was sick. And the Bible goes on to say in Mark, chapter 5, verse 35 through 36, And while he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue and the leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? You see, what he had around him were some friends that were bursting his dream. He expected Jesus to heal his daughter. He knew his daughter was sick. He knew she was gravely ill. And he knew she was about to die. And now all of a sudden, as he's speaking to Jesus to come and heal his daughter, some of the friends around him say, Why bother Jesus? Your daughter is dead. What do you expect him to do? Dream busters. By some of the friends and the associates around him. But I like what Jairus did. The Bible says that, And when Jesus overheard what he said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe. Jairus, in spite of what his friends were saying, he still went to Jesus and Jesus said, don't listen to them. Don't be afraid. Only believe. So guys, I think sometimes, here's some good practical application. Sometimes I think we need to ignore our friends. Whenever we're sharing with them a God-ordained dream, sometimes if they come back and they're trying to bust our dream, sometimes we just need to ignore them. Jairus ignored them, and he still went to Jesus to heal his daughter, and of course, he did that. Another dream buster I think we find is fatigue. Fatigue is a potential dream buster. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 through 10, we all know the story how Elijah was really clinically depressed. And I guess sometimes we need to answer this question. Can Christians get depressed? Can Christians fall into a state of depression? I see some heads nodding in the affirmative, and you're very correct. But unfortunately, there are some that believe just the opposite. There are some that believe if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, you should never fall into a state of depression. I totally disagree with that teaching. Because here we find where Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of God, in 1 Kings chapter 18 did this wonderful miracle on Mount Carmel there and called down fire from heaven and consumed the altar and killed all the prophets. And now he has Jezebel that's put out, a, I guess, a decree or something on his head. Say, hey, we're going to kill him by this time tomorrow. He'll be dead. And Elijah's now running. And Elijah is totally exhausted. And here we find him in 1 Kings chapter number 19, 
sitting, lying under the juniper bush, thinking he's the only one left serving God, and he is completely exhausted. He's depressed. What was God's antidote for his fatigue and depression? It tells us in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 5. The Bible says, Then he lay down and slept under the, under, the, under the broom tree, and suddenly an angel touched him, and the angel told him, this is what he said, the angel told him, Get up and eat. That's God's antidote? It was for Elijah. Shouldn't he have prayed more? Shouldn't he have studied more? Shouldn't he have got more involved in church? Maybe he needs to be baptized. I mean, you, you know, you think about in our day, and people come to different leaders in the church, and they, hey, i got a problem. And usually we'll say, well, you need to pray more, you need to read your Bible more, and you need to get more involved in church, and you need to get, get engaged in ministry, and you need to do this, you need to do that. That wasn't God's antidote for Elijah. What was God's antidote? Tell me. Eat. Elijah, get up and eat. And then lay back down. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord did this a few times. Elijah, get up, eat, rest. Get up, eat, rest. Get up, eat, rest. You know what some of us need in our life? Some of us need a sabbatical. You see, I think sometimes it's very healthy for the child of God to disengage. Now, you won't hear that preached in a lot of churches. Because everybody wants you to do it. We need warm bodies. Just feel this. No, 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 no. Sometimes it's important that you disengage. Now, I'm not saying disengage from God. I'm saying disengage from from ministering. Sometimes it is important because of burnout, because of fatigue, which leads to depression. Sometimes it's important that you just clear your calendar, that you take a few days, weeks, take a month off of ministry and just kick back and refresh yourself, just get some rest. You see, I'm amazed. Sometimes I'll be fatigued and I'll be close to being burnt out and I have so many pressures on me and phone ringing and emails coming in and people having meetings and complaints coming from everywhere. So I say, Calgon, take... No, I don't say Calgon, take me away. But so I say, God, I'm just going to quit. God, I'm going to resign. God, I'm going to walk away. I mean, at that point in my life, everything is bad. You ever been there? But isn't it amazing how when you don't quit and you just go home and you crawl in bed and you get a good night's sleep and you get up the next morning and you eat a good, healthy breakfast like steel-cut oatmeal with strawberries they served that at the bread company, by the way. Excellent breakfast. Isn't it amazing how when you go home and get a good night's rest and get a little bit of food, how much better you feel? The situation doesn't look near as bad as what it did when you were extremely exhausted and worn out and fatigued, entering into the level of depression. When you just go home and get a little bit of rest, isn't it amazing how much better a lot of things get? A lot of things seem to just solve them, solve the problems overnight with just a little bit of sleep. And you get up the next day and it's not near as bad. So I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that fatigue many times can be a potential dream buster. You see, what I think we need to do, we need to schedule time just to have a little sabbatical and step away from our ministries, step away from our leadership position and take a month off and go back and just rest and eat and exercise and have a little devotion time with you and God. And then rest and eat 
a little devotion time, a little exercise, you'll be amazed. Hello? You see, I've had people sit across my desk in counseling, and I could look, I knew they were exhausted. I mean, been engaged in ministry for years, week in, week out, day in, day out, week in, week out. And you know what my number one counselor, just take off a month. Just don't do anything. Hello? You see, the worst thing we can do is make a decision when we are either depressed or fatigued, completely exhausted. Don't make any major decision. Take a break. Sleep. Eat. Man, last couple of Sundays I've told you how spiritual it is to take a nap and sleep, haven't I? I don't know why that's coming into play so much, but here we find that taking place with Elijah. Number four, jot this one down. Failure is a potential dream buster. Failure is a potential dream buster. You read the story of Joshua in chapter 7, verse 1 through 10. Now, you've got to understand, Joshua is doing exactly what God had told him to do. He was possessing the land. And he was going up to a little village called Ai, about 3,000 people. And Joshua said, we don't need all the armies. It's just a little village, a little small village. And we, everybody, the rest of you guys stay back and get a little rest. We'll take a, just a few and we'll go up and wipe them out doing exactly what God had called him to do. But he, he, he did not know that there was failure and there was sin in the camp. And they were defeated when they went up to Ai. You see, I think a lot of times in our own life we need to understand. If at first... You don't succeed, remember that's normal. Hello? Write that down. You see, we live in this success oriented culture and society today. You know, failure is probably one of the best things that ever happened to you as a child of God. Someone asked me the other day, Are you upset that your Duke Blue Devils lost to Florida State? I said, No, it's good for them. Hello? Yeah, I know all you non-Duke fans are saying, yeah, Tommy, I knew that came from somewhere by there, Carolina fan. Is it good? They yeah. You see, you need to learn how to lose. You need to learn how to, how to, how to go forward through your failures. And we've got to understand if at first we don't succeed in trying to reach our dream and reach our goal, that's normal. And we keep trying. Number five, let me give you this one. Fear is a potential dream buster. In Numbers chapter 13, in Numbers chapter 13, in the story where they sent the spies into the land of Canaan to spy out the land, you remember the story. Twelve went in, ten came back, or two came back with a positive report. Ten came back and said, there's no way we can do this. There are giants over in the land. And fear kept them from going forward in this great dream and vision that God had given them. All of these are potential dream busters. Guys, we all need to have a dream. But as we have these dreams, we need to be cautious and be aware of some of these elements with our dream. Let me show you this short video clip, and then I want to come back and share with you briefly as we close the service.
I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. reminded about all the things that we enjoy in our culture and our society today. We are the recipients. We benefit greatly from those in our past that had great dreams, that carried out those dreams, and it made our world, our nation, a better nation and a better world. What is God's plan for you? What is your dream? We all need to fall on our face before God and discover, God, what is it that you want me to do? I remember back in 1998, when I was back in western North Carolina. I was pastoring up in the Great Smoky Mountains, a church there. And God started stirring in my heart about this dream of leaving a well-established church while I was there. I led that church through the 100-year anniversary of that church. Huge endeavor. 1898 is when that church began. And I was their pastor 100 years later in 1998. And we had a huge celebration. Thank God for that church. But while I was there ministering to that church and that community, God started stirring in my heart this dream of going into an area... And planting and starting a church. I had never done anything like that in my life. But I knew that dream was from God. After much prayer, my wife and I said, we will follow that dream. That's how Victory Church became what it is today. And it all started in Romans 10, 17, where faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. What is your dream? Part of my dream. I sat in my office this week and a lot of these things run through my mind. They come out in meetings. They come out in different sessions that I'm in. And as I'm trying to just lead our church in the way that I think God would want us to go. I thought, you know, let me just pin down exactly what my dream is for Victory Church. Matter of fact, when I got done... I had about three pages of notes that were taking part of what my dream was for our church. I condensed it, you can say amen, to just a few that I want to share with you. I have a dream that victory will be a safe haven for the emotionally hurt and wounded. I have a dream that victory will be a church with a casual come-as-you-are atmosphere, but engages in a serious faith, reaching and ministering 
to this postmodern generation. I have a dream that will be a saving harbor for those that are lost, sinking in their sin, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a dream that will be a church focused on equipping parents to build strong D6 families. I have a dream that Victor will be a church living out the five purposes of worship and fellowship and discipleship and ministry and evangelism in our lives, in our families, and in our church family. I have a dream that Victor will be a church with a passion to develop leaders through our apprenticeship ministry where every leader of every ministry training up another leader, thus having the majority of the congregation engaged in ministry. I have a dream of victory that will be a church filled with love for our God and love for one another, thus extending grace and mercy to one another and esteeming others of more value than ourselves. We pull that out of Paul's teachings. I have a dream for victory that will be a spirit-filled church, breaking the strongholds that Satan has on our society. I have a dream that Vic will be a church where all races, red and yellow and black and white, can come together in one accord and love God and love each other regardless of their social and economical and educational or political background, thus fulfilling God's will on earth as it is in heaven. I have a dream that Vic will be a church where there are no big eyes and little U's. I have a dream that Vic will be a church where everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. Hold on to your belts right here. I have a dream that victory will be a church reaching the entire metropolitan area. Not just the Metro East, but the entire metropolitan area. I have a dream that Victory Church will engage in ministry in East St. Louis and get involved to help those that are down and out that will make a difference in their lives. I have a dream. Hold on. The Victory Church will be a reproducing church. What does that mean? I have a dream. The Victory Church will be a reproducing church, a multi-site church with satellite campuses in various cities across the Metro East, across the river, over in St. Louis, and around the entire metropolitan area. I know the dream busters are on their way to have a meeting with me. Hello? That's part of my dream. You see, part of my plan and part of my vision for Victory Church is so far beyond this little building that we're building. Hello? This little $1 million building is just so small in my vision for this church. It's nothing more than a stepping stone. So don't think this little building is the we've accomplished all at Victory Church. I am so far past that. As a matter of fact, I seldom engage in that conversation any longer. Occasionally, I'll go up to some on the building team and say, hey, what's going on? Heard anything? Oh, okay. And then I'm, I'm, I'm so far past that. I am so far past that in my vision for this church. Boy, God is burdening my heart. God is exploding in my heart. God is stretching me. I promise you, honey, I'm feeling the stretching pains of faith. But God is stretching me. You see, O'Fallon's just going to be the hub. 
as we reach out, the tentacles of our ministry reaches out all around the entire metropolitan area, not just the Metro East. You say, you're going to expect people from St. Louis to come over here to Old Fallon Church? No, I'm going to expect our church to go over there and have church in St. Louis. How are we going to do that? Don't worry about it. I'll get a plan from God. I'll figure that out. You just pray for me. You see, I believe this. Jesus is coming soon. We don't have time to play games. We don't have time to get involved in church politics. We don't have time for big eyes and little ears. We don't have time for all that stuff. It's time to be about our Father's business and reaching our generation for Christ. Hello? I'm not about going backwards. I'm about going forward. Listen, we live in the year 2011. Hello? I grew up, 1964 I was born. I grew up through the 70s. I know how they did church in the 70s. I was involved in a very large church that had an extremely large bus ministry and other things. Listen, the, the ages have changed, honey. We're not in 1970 any longer. We live in the postmodern era. And it's all about reaching people for Christ. I have a dream. And I'm going to devote the rest of my life to living out this dream. Until either God takes me home or he calls me away from it. But that's what gets me out of bed every morning. That's what I pray about. That's what I think about. That's what I envision. When we go over to St. Louis for a ball game, I'm there looking around. Oh, I'm not so amazed with the Cardinals. I'm thinking, look at all these people. Are they in church? Can we reach them? What can our church do? If I can drive 18 miles across the river go to a ball game, surely I can go over there and share the gospel. Hello? And then I look at all this equipment that we have for set up and tear down. I'm thinking, okay, and we got a nice trailer. we got all this stuff. What are we going to do with this and get in the building? Some might say, well, let's just sell it. Let's use that money to pay. No, 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 no. I'm going to be raising up a team that's going to take that trailer and take that church somewhere else and reach another group of people. How's it all going to happen? I don't know. When is it going to happen? I don't know. But I'm working towards that. That's my dream. What's your dream? You may be changing your dream right now and say, boy, i got to get out of that ministry. <laughs> I hope not. But you know what? I've decided, I've decided if it just hair lips the devil and anybody else who don't want to come along, then that's okay. I'm going with God. Because God plus one is the majority in any situation. Hello? It's about reaching the unsaved and the unchurched. And that's what we started this church on. And that's what we're going to continue this ministry of this church on. And we're going to march forward. Now, I'm excited about our building on Oak Island. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited about it. But it's nothing but a tool to help us do the rest of the vision that I feel God has for our church. What's your dream? Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. 
You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.